Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Amen. Okay, so the title of my message tonight is The Christ, Son of the Living God. And so we're going to be out of Matthew 16, 13 through 16. Um, so this is actually something I minister on um, in the armory class. And so some of you guys have been through that class. Some of you have not. Um, if you have been through this class, then then this is going to be just a refreshment um, of what you've already learned. Um, if you haven't, you might know it. That's great. Um, or maybe... Um, you haven't heard these things before either. And so this is going to be a great opportunity for us to just dive into the study of Jesus because <clears throat> it's what it's all about. And so um, it's going to be good. Um, Pastor was talking about Sunday about um, our the first love. And when he said that, that just brought confirmation to me that the Lord just wants to bring intimacy back in our relationship with him. And one of the ways that you um, develop and reignite intimacy is getting to know each other again, right? Going on dates and, and letting, giving opportunity and time to get to know one another. And so this is a great opportunity for you and I to just get to know a little bit more about Jesus and about who he is. So I'm going to start with a very long intro. And while I do that intro, I'm going to make myself a little more comfortable. Um, being that I, I have taught this almost specific lesson about 10 times, uh, <laughs> I, I, I know this lesson, um, but it's always a little intimidating in this format. And if it were up to me, I would, you know, put the chairs together and the tables together. We'd all go to room two and it would be a great time for us. Um, but we're not going to do that. So um, one of the things that I would like to do, um, just so that you have my notes and the lesson in front of you, um, Brother Anthony is going to pass out um, my notes. And this is something that I do um, if you want. If you want the notes, just raise your hand and he will pass it out. If you don't, I'm not going to force you to take the notes either. Um, but this is something that I do so that way um, if you're taking the class, you can go home with it, you can study it, um, and you can follow along with me. So if you want that, he's going to do that. Um, and while he's doing that, I'm going to have a really long intro until he's done. Um, <clears throat> so uh, one of the purposes that I add um, this lesson into the armory is because knowing Jesus is just that important. It's, it's He's the cornerstone and the center of our faith. And it's very important um, to have teachers and pastors and leaders in the house that minister on the gospel um, and that don't deviate from that. It's very important in our culture. It's very important in the time and the generation that we're living in that you and I are solid on our faith. We know what we believe in, we know who we believe in, and we know why we believe in that concept. So this is why we start um, the armory class with the study of Jesus. 
Okay, Ephesians 4 talks about the gifts um, that are given as apostle, teacher, pastor, evangelist, and prophet. Um, And those gifts are given by grace, and we um, have those gifts operated here in the church. And those gifts are important for the equipment of the saints and the edification of the saints. Right, that's what it, that's what it's for, and so these classes, um, the Armory, um, EHS, Go Men, um, uh, Surrender Women of Faith, Deborah's Warriors, they are all for you. <laughs> Say for me, for me, they're all for you. Okay, um, we we aren't getting stipends or payments. Uh, <laughs> they are for you. Um, the leader behind those ministries are studying. They're getting equipped so that they can equip you. And so that's why those gifts are in operation. Um, and it's, it's, it's important to have those gifts in operation um, because there is something in Ephesians 4.14 um, that tells you why. And it says that so that you should no longer be tossed like children swaying by one doctrine to the next doctrine and carried by every wind and trickery or cunning craftiness of deceit. The teaching is important so that you know that you know that you know. So when someone comes and they say something, you're like, eh, that's not right. And I say this to me, Sister Karen and I, we've talked about this before. In our mall, there is a mother God teacher Okay, and she gets you like when you have the pizza in your mouth, like at the worst time possible on your way to the garage. She's like, do you know that God's a mama? And I'm like, what? (laughs) It's so confusing, right? But if you've listened to it and you don't know your word, maybe you can get you can get a little convinced if you don't know your word, because uh, there's craftiness, there's manipulation behind those doctrines, and you need to know the sound doctrine, the word of God. Okay, everybody has a paper now, so we're good. We're ready to go. That was that was my long intro for that. Okay, so bear with me. <clears throat> if you've been in my class, you know one hour is very difficult for me to get all this information out. So I have taken what I normally teach And I have chopped it up a little bit to just three points. So if you've been in the class, you get a little more, and you guys get just enough. Okay, there we go, (laughs) because I have a limited time. Um, And even if I had hours upon hours upon days upon days, every study is limited because the Lord is limitless, and there's so much beyond that. And Jesus isn't something to just have knowledge of. He's something to discover. And so I pray that this just opens your your um, your eyes and re-sparks that love for the Lord, that you can go and discover more about him as we leave tonight. All right, let's go to Matthew 16. Okay. <clears throat> I have it on the paper, but I still went to it in my mind. <laughs> that was silly. I don't know why I did that. I took extra time. Okay. <clears throat> All right. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. Okay, so there are over about 200 different names of Jesus in the Bible. Um, names that attribute to his character, um, his deity, um, his abilities, his, the, the miracles that he had, had done um, during that time. Um, so lots of different names and titles. We're going to go over a very handful. Um, let's start with Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the transliteration of the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which is the literal translation that salvation of Yahweh or Yahweh saves. Christ is the Greek translation, meaning anointed one, which is the equivalent to the Hebrew title of Messiah. Okay, so this is where that comes from. So the first point that I want to make today is Jesus Emmanuel. This is one of the names of, of God that brings his character and understanding of who he is. Matthew 1, 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here in this church, we believe, you can find this on our websites, we believe that God is triune, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the belief that three coexist, are co-eternal and equal in divine perfection. I stole that right off the website because I wanted to make sure that I was right there with him, okay? So that is what we believe in this church. Um, 1 John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Um, like my, peek my little diagram here. Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit equals God. <laughs> That's the underlining of that, just in case you were confused. Um, okay, so this is what we believe. Um, and here's just some scripture to kind of understand that, um, because this is really the, the, the most difficult thing to grasp um, when you're starting your faith with God, is how are they three in one? but yet one in the same. It's a very common question that I get asked, um, and it's a very difficult concept to, to teach and to learn if you don't have any knowledge of God um, or any biblical understanding. So I'm going to do it in a very limited way and shoot you a few scriptures so that you can um, understand. Okay, so first, uh, sorry, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the... Word, okay, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay, all right. I'm looking at my looking at my students here. <laughs> um, okay, so in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So John one one shows us that Jesus was in the beginning. Okay, um, he was the beginning and the end, and I can give you like eight more scriptures, but. We're on time frame, okay? Uh, the word, word, references Jesus. So really, you can look at that scripture and you can paraphrase it. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Okay, so we're starting to get this Trinity situation together. Um, all right, so what else was in the beginning? Let's go now to Genesis 1-1. 
Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, uh, over the face of the waters. So Jesus was in the beginning, God was in the beginning, and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was also in the beginning. Cool? You guys following me? All right. So the next scripture in Genesis 1.26 actually confirms their unity among their separation. And that says, and God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God could have said in my image, um, but he said in our image, signifying that the creation of man was a collaboration of them individually, yet as one. Um, Jesus was given the name Emmanuel, um, not because that's what he was called, but it's because it, it was what he was called. That makes sense in my head. Um, <laughs> he was God with us. He was all God um, with us in human form. Amen? Um, Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Amen? John 1.14 says, The word became flesh. You guys are good. All right. And dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Uh, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of Truth and grace. All right, the pastor got it. <laughs> right, like my students. What's going on? Um, all right, yeah, you got it. You got. It. You got it. Okay. <laughs> Truth and grace. All right. Colossians two nine confirms that he's Emmanuel. It says, "For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily." Um, so he dwelt among us, and the whole fullness, all of the fullness of God, dwells in Jesus bodily. So we learn here, right, that Jesus Christ, the eternal word of God, and the second person of the Trinity became flesh. To his divine nature, he added a perfect human nature. And as Paul later explained, this involved his taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of of men. You can read that right under there. So what I really want to share about that, um, God, Emmanuel, is this word dwell, which means skanu, which actually means to share a tent. Um, and so this was the, the, the plan that, that Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel, him coming, he wants to be, he was so close to us in human form that he shared a tent. He shared understanding, ambition. He, he, he woke up. He got tired. He got hungry. He shared these human aspects of life with us, um, so that we can share those things with him in the, uh, in heaven, right? Um, so, he wants to share a tent with you and I. Um, and the Holy Spirit, as we encounter him daily, also wants to do that same thing with us. Um, God dwelt temporarily among his people as the perfect God-man, Jesus Christ, just as God manifested his presence to his people in the tabernacle. 
So if you know things about the tabernacle, the tabernacle was a place of worship. It was a place where the spirit of God uh, dwelt. It was a temporary um, fix for um, what was to come. Um, God wanted to dwell with his people, and he was unable to do that. And so he made a way for, for him to do that in a very limited way. But this was not the desire of God. The desire of God is to dwell with us um, 24-7, all day, every day, and he can do that now because Jesus died on the cross. And so because he did that, we're able to now share um, past the tabernacle and into our daily lives. That's good news. Great news. Amen, right? Great news. All right, Jesus, Emmanuel, we're all caught up. We're good. All right. <clears throat> all right, Jesus, the word. This is my favorite one, uh, even though I like the other one too, but this is my favorite one. Um, so back to John 1.1. 1, 1. I'm going to say it so many times that you will remember it by the end of tonight, so it's good. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the word word is actually a Greek word, logos, okay? And logos has a lot of different meanings. It can be as simple as just script on a paper, and it can be as central as word, reason, and plan. In the Old Testament, the word logos carried active power. We see that in Genesis 1.1, when God spoke with his word, the universe, into being. Um, and the apostle John, who's speaking in the book of John, presents Jesus as the eternal word who took on the flesh and blood to behold God's glory. So word, uh, this is what I, I, I teach in the armory class, because the second most often question is, well, why did God create the earth if he knew I was just going to sin? Or he knew Adam and Eve were going to sin. They're going to mess it up. Why would God create the earth if he already knew those things? And so we can either go with one doctrine that's just like maybe God didn't know. And so, or we can go with the second doctrine where it's like God, where, uh, Jesus was a plan B because we sinned. And this is not correct. These are just things that float around by our own feelings or people that actually believe in this. But the, the word in John 1.1, 1, 1, the actual interpretation of John 1.1, 1, 1, does not say that, that Jesus is plan B. He was always plan A. He was, he, there was nothing that God didn't know. Um, there was nothing that, that they were not aware of before the creation of this earth. So when people say, oh, God can't save me because I'm this or I'm that, God already knew and he already paid the price because the word tells us that because he defines Jesus as the word which means that Jesus was the reason and the plan all along if you don't believe me go to your next page <laughs> next page is John 17 this is um, Jesus praying and it says when Jesus had spoke these words he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour has come glorify your son that the Lord may glorify you and since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him and this is eternal life that if they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ 
whom you've sent, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Okay, so this this hits the point of God, Emmanuel, that he was in the beginning as well. But also, he he's this is an open dialogue of prayer that we get to hear Jesus talking to the Father. And he's telling the Father to glorify him back to how he was before the foundations of the earth. If you go down to verse 24, it says, Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see the glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. This was something that God, Jesus, and the Spirit of God came into full agreement of before the world began. This was not something that, you know, was an outcome of Adam and Eve. This was always how it was supposed to be. Um, the Bible tells us that, right? Jesus tells us that before the world, the foundations of the earth were, I knew that I would die for them, and I, and I, it was going to be worth it to me. And so that's a great thing. <laughs> There's nothing that we can do to earn it, to deserve it, or to get it taken away from us, because it's always how it was supposed to be. And he has, he knows you, and he loves you, and there's nothing that can separate you from him. This Jesus was not a consequence because of our sin, but he was love, mercy, and grace that goes before our sin. John 3, 16 this for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave him. He's giving him. It was a choice that Jesus made. It was a cost that he paid for you and I, and it was worth it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we may be made right with God through Christ. He offered his son for us because we are just that important. And Jesus accepted that offer and he went to the cross for you and I. Amen. You guys, are you with me? Okay. <clears throat> Okay, we're getting through this, man. Hallelujah. The last point I want to make is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered him and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. This is so important to add on because like I talked to you about Ephesians 4, there's so many different understandings of Jesus and the gospels and religion and there's there's religion that worships um, physical idols, religion that worships thousands upon thousands upon millions of different gods. Um, there are religions that you're that tell you that you're not allowed to access God without a mediator without someone in between. 
and even in Christianity itself, there's about 45,000 different denominations um, globally and about 200 in the U.S., um, and so there's a lot of confusion. <laughs> there's a lot of confusion about, you know, uh, law, legalism, um, religious boundaries, cultures, opinions, what's right, what's not right. Um, and we can get really stuck in that. And we have gotten really stuck in that. I think the pandemic really proved that, that we, we can get, we can get knocked off of unity very quickly. Um, if we are not in one mind and in one accord, um, there were, churches battling one another uh, there were people battling one another and it seemed like there was a huge divide in the church and there can be a huge divide in the church if we don't focus on sound doctrine and we can really begin to start practicing even in the church other things other things that are actually witchcraft other things that are actually um demonic <laughs> we can open horoscopes and and hope for some good news we can we can follow our our sign and and let that define our character and who we are um, we can uh, overindulge in in television in social media in alcohol and medications and drugs and we can do all of these different things and have a divide because well my pastor says in my church condones this and and this is okay and Jesus drank a little and we can go really back and forth on some really silly subjects some really silly subjects um, and I say that they're silly um, because I've been, I've known the Lord for a long time and I've heard those questions and I've asked those questions uh, there used to be a time oh Lord Lord there's, there's to be a time where pastor was a new pastor. We love you, pastor. And he was so brave, and he would have question night. Boy, was that a mistake. <laughs> that was a disaster. Every question night was an absolute disaster. It was fun to watch, but also not really. Um, and <laughs> poor pastor, because I'm sure... He, I was there, and he would get some really off-the-wall questions. Am I right? Right. Some that are just valid, right? And some that are just like, what? And, and, but most of them are all about what I can get away with and still go to heaven. <laughs> like, how much do I tithe on my gross or do I tithe on my net? Do I tithe at all? Do I have to give offerings? Uh, Jesus drank. Can I drink a little? Marijuana is not in the Bible. Ah, tobacco's a natural. So I don't understand. Oh, I didn't realize that this PG-13 R-rated movie would be considered demonic and witchcraft and pornography. I didn't know. And so I'm watching it. And oh, I can't say this. I can't do what? Because it's our, our natural mindset is to think about all the things we can do and still be okay. And that's a dangerous road. Because when you're really in love, you'll give up anything. When you know Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, there's nothing that you hold back. And this is something I minister when I minister on tithing, because that's one of the lessons that I teach. Um, and that's one of the lessons I say, silly questions. God asked for 10%. Jesus asked for 100. 
I wouldn't argue with the law. I'd, I'll take the 10, you know. And Jesus said, your 10 is simply not enough. Well, give it all. What, what does it matter? If you love the Lord, then, then we should be unattached to all the things of this world. We should, we should unattach ourselves to the things of this world because he's the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't want to get, you know, stirring you guys up a little bit, uh, bad looks, and, <laughs> you know, now you have to do everything. But a Je- I, I heard this, this, this quote once. They said, a Jesus that doesn't transform you isn't Jesus at all. It's just another religion that you're finding. It's another something that you're finding and you'll come up empty, but Jesus transforms you, renews you uh, from the inside out. Amen? Okay. I don't know if I lost you guys. Whew, tough crowd. Tough crowd. All right. <laughs> I'm starting to I'm starting to sweat, guys. You guys are making me nervous. Everybody's looking at me like, say something else. Say something else. <laughs> Ah, okay, good. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and we need to know that. We as believers need to stop replacing the way, the truth, and the life with him. We have to be focused on sound doctrine, and what he said it, we do. We believe that that's the word, and we stand firm on that. If you have to argue it, if you have to make a, um, a case for it, then I think you probably already know. I know I know when times where I've been wrong, I practiced my speech the night before. And I'm like, but then this and then this, and I talked to five other people, and I was like, I wasn't wrong, right? And then I go there and I say, and then it's like, I knew I'm just trying to like find my way and trying to convince you that I wasn't wrong, but I am, right? So, okay, I'm right right now. The way, the truth, and the life, Jesus is. Um, no one goes to the Father except by me. You don't get there because you're a good person. You don't get there because you, you tithe, you worship, you show up to services. You don't get there because of those things. You get there only because of Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Um, Revelations 5, 1 through 10. Um, just buckle in with me because it's a lot of verses. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth can open the scroll or even look inside of it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all of the earth. 
He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with the blood you purchased for God's persons for every tribe, and language and people and nation you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth this is such an important portion of scripture it's one of my favorite um and it's one that when I when I first read I, I kind of read a few times because I was trying to understand um who was on the other right hand of the throne. You know, I had come to understand that God could do everything. God the Father could do everything. And when I read this, it kind of like took my theology back a little bit because as I read this, I realized, well, God couldn't do one thing. God, God the Father couldn't do one thing because it says that Jesus, the lamb that was slain, went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was sitting on the throne, which means that when they proclaimed that there was no one on when John was freaking out that no one could open the scroll, God was present. God was on the right hand, and only Jesus could do it. Only Jesus could open the scrolls, and only Jesus could come and die for your sin, and he did. And, and you just see that glory of that understanding of, of, I, I just picture, I picture, um, I don't know if anybody was here when we did the, the, uh, the meet, meet me at the altar and Pastor Des did such a good job putting that together. But, um, I had the opportunity to, um, to partner with her in a skit that, that, the Lord had put on her heart and on her mind. And, and, and in that skit, um, a few things happened, and so if you if you got to see that, it was really powerful um, for for me. Um, but I, I kind of emulated this understanding of I, I started to feel like John a little bit. Um, hi, <laughs> he's coming this way. Um, I started to feel and emulate how John must have felt that he got to heaven and he started freaking out because. He was weeping and he was weeping and, and I, I can imagine the angels were also freaking out and they were weeping that there was no one and they were, it says that the mighty angel, the, the mighty angel was looking and couldn't find anybody, um, who could open the scrolls. Um, and then all of a sudden he looks and he sees the lamb that was slain and I can just imagine what that looks like as as Jesus just dies on the cross and he's resurrected and he lives and he gives instruction and then he comes up to heaven. There was a, a time period where heaven was Jesusless because <laughs> Jesus was with us, right? He was the heaven was Jesusless and and the angels, you know, Where's he at? Is he coming back? Like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, you could hear a pin drop. This is me just in my head, right? <laughs> you could hear a pin drop because you look over and you see the lamb that was slain. 
for us and, and just the description of that. And he goes and he takes the scroll from God and he opens it. And in that scroll are the mysteries of God or the names of those who are, who are redeemed and who are saved and who are, are, who receive salvation because of his blood by the blood of the lamb and he goes and he takes it and all heaven loses their mind <laughs> they lose their mind they 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 have you know golden bowls of incense from the prayers of the people from those uh, uh, even of of Jewish faith who have been waiting for their messiah and now their messiah has come and has has rose risen from the dead and they say you are worthy 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 And I say this, and some of us are unmoved. The church is unmoved by such amazing news. Something, something uh, happened. I, I, went, I visited a church in, in, in Dallas when I was there for work, and they were giving an altar call, a quick one. And a few people came, and they gave their life to the Lord. And as soon as they gave their life to the Lord, something that they did was just like, it's, it was just wild. I don't think the cameras were on. I don't think anything was going on. But he told them it was time to celebrate. And all of a sudden, you know, like Pastor mentions, you know, well, all heaven's rejoicing. The church lost its mind. I mean, like they were losing it in, in glory and honor because there were people that gave their life to the Lord. And there was no shame. There was no, um, uh, heartache. There was no, whatever people came with, it stayed. And the church lost their mind because they were rejoicing for those that were lost and now that were found. And some churches now don't even do an altar call. Some churches now just raise your hand in secret. I'll see you. <laughs> raise, you know, you know, you don't even have, don't raise your hand, but if that's you, just say it, you know, and, and man, forget that. <laughs> forget that. If you can't stand up here before us, you're not standing before the people who ridicule, who will ridicule you. We got to get a backbone back in the church. Get, find some courage, but stand up straight for something that you believe in. Now that you know, right? Now that you know that God is Emmanuel and that God is the son of God and he's a part of the Trinity and that he's the word and he's the beginning and he's the end and that he came and that he died and the blood of the lamb that was slain redeems you. Come on, can I, can I get some movement here? Are, are you glad to be saved? I'm not trying to say this to hype you up, but if you're not hyped up, then you don't love the Lord the way that you think you love the Lord. You don't, you don't see your, your, your life as changed and transformed. So then you should answer the altar call if you're not excited by the love of God in your life. It's an indicator that you've lost your first love if you don't get a little stirred up by the word of God. And if you lost your first love, It's okay. <laughs> you can get that back. But it starts with the knowledge of Jesus of what he did for you and what he did for you no one else could have done for you. 
No one, nothing could have done this for you but Jesus. And so he needs to remain the cornerstone of our life, of our faith, of what we do in church, out of church, in our workplaces, in places that we learn and teach everywhere. John 6.35 says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not be hungry, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Since the beginning of time, God's desire has been to be and live in fellowship with us, and Jesus was the greatest and only permanently effective manifestation of that desire. Through Jesus and only Jesus, we can be with the Father. John 121 says the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the destined King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he will reign someday all over the earth. John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God. Nicodemus called him Rabbi. Peter called him Christ and Lord. John writes about his account of Jesus at the end of his life and presents him as the divine word, the Logos, the Christ, and the Son of God. Who do you say that Jesus is? You know, it's very interesting in in Matthew 16 because Peter had heard God audibly along with the disciples when Jesus was... um, being, oh, that was my son. Um, when Jesus was being baptized, he heard God audibly say, my son. And he heard Jesus mention multiple times that he, that God was his father. But this confession happened a little later in their relationship. And that's okay, too. Loving the Lord, like I said, is a process. And it's a process of understanding just how good God is. And when you begin to see him overflow in your life and transform your life, then you begin to see and trust and have faith in him. And that burns your love. You may not love the Lord the first time you accept him. And that's okay, (laughs) because he loves you, and his love for you is not determined on your love or trust in him. It's a part of the process. It's a part of the the dating and the marriage. And, and, you know, I've been married now for three years. (laughs) I think so. I think three years. And I can tell you I didn't love my husband as much as I thought I loved my husband when I married my husband. (laughs) I thought I loved him. Can anybody relate or am I just by myself? (laughs) I thought I loved him. And the process of loving him, I realized, ooh, I didn't love you back then, because I love you now, right? Because I love you more now, so I realized I definitely didn't love you as much there. I think I love, I loved you as much as I had the capability, right? But after getting to know you, after living with you, after having a son with you, that love changes. 
And so, you know, I, I just, I just want a time of, of, of invitation, a time of celebration. Um, this is one of the questions that I ask when we first start the armory, because really, none of the other classes really matter if you, you don't have Jesus in your heart, I guess, right? You can't learn prayer and, and you know, biblical understanding. I mean, you could, but then those would just be classes that you take. But Jesus wants to transform your life. So the first step is accepting Jesus as your Savior and walking that out. And as you walk that out, you're going to love the Lord. Because God's, he's going to show up. He's going to show up in your life. Um, amen. Yeah. That's, that's all I have, you know. Um,